anticipation of another week ahead of us. Today is October 25th, and we are entering the final week of October. It is absolutely stunning that we are sitting at the brink of November. So my apologies for being late. I uh, um, am in uh, somewhat recovered mode after the silent retreat of last weekend, and I will say a word about that. But the title for our podcast tonight is called What's the Point? And I will get to that in just a second. Let me introduce myself and, and the podcast. I am Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. I am a professor of psychology and the chair of the psych department at Colorado Christian University. And I took it upon myself to launch this podcast as a means of, of exploring and talking about uh, relationships and our journey toward wholeness and living in truth and grace while also trying to focus and, and bring some uh, insight or uh, insight into what I call the profound mystery of our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with each other. So it's wide-ranging. As I said in the last podcast, it's kind of my excuse to wander wherever I want with the kind of topics that, I, uh, that kind of hit me. And uh, this one in particular kind of caught my attention as I've been taking the time to um, uh, talk to a variety of people over the last week or so. Um, a word about the silent retreat. Now, the, the podcast, this podcast is referred to as the Psych Monologues, and, and its uh, purpose really is to uh, bring uh, uh, the silent retreat and, and silence and solitude to people's attention as a, as a uh, viable means of developing our spiritual uh, dim- the spiritual dimension within us, our hearts, and uh, connecting with God in, in a unique sort of way because we don't, our worlds are absolutely very noisy. It's even noisier now with social media and rolling into the last uh, week or so before an election. And so uh, there has to be some point in time where we draw away and draw down and give ourselves an opportunity to listen to God as he meets us in our hearts rather than having somebody talk at us about something. So that was what the silent retreat was. This model, this uh, podcast really, one of its side purposes is to develop a a base of donors and people that want to partner with us to be able to send CCU students on this journey into silence and solitude. We do it twice a year. We are actually looking at the possibility of doing it more than that in a year, just simply because of the number of students that are interested in uh, uh, engaging this kind of spiritual formation. So that's a little bit about me and about us and this uh, monologue that the silent retreat this last weekend was nothing short of miraculous. We had a lot of people on the retreat that really kind of what I call knock down doors and and walked into places that uh, they have long condemned in their hearts and explored the possibility of living in trust and grace with themselves and then also being able to find a way to release the people that have hurt them uh, in forgiveness and I actually walk into the very grace and freedom that God intended them to experience. So it was an amazing weekend. Uh, it was punctuated at the very end with very fairly frigid 
uh, temperatures. We spend it outside. Usually our routine is at the end of the retreat. We take time to uh, reflect on the journey that has been relatively short over the weekend and then share communion together. Um, we, we did do the communion uh, <laughs> through chattering teeth, but we did it uh, safely and then uh, uh, brought the weekend to a close. So it was, it, was a, it was a really, really good weekend, and I would encourage anyone that's listening that, that if you're interested, particularly if you're a CCU student, please, by all means, go to the website, go to CCU Silent Retreats and, and register for a time. And then uh, as we are able to secure dates and times, we will make those available to you. Uh, we continue to look for donors and people that are willing to partner with us to develop um, these retreats and make it possible for students to go. Uh, it's a pretty expensive undertaking for a student going to, to going to college. So uh, it is one way to go about doing that. So back to our point. What I what I wanted to talk about is something that um, I've I've often heard it say said to me in the course of talking about relationships or in the course of talking about um, our, our relationship with God or uh, a lot of things really is and it really what it boils down to is a focus on production and producing something versus process and engaging in something and so uh, the the usual the retort I get back from people when things don't quite go the way that they uh, wanted it to go is so what's the point I mean after all I, if I, I go to all this expense I go to all this effort and nothing comes of it then what's the point so let me let me connect some dots for us just in this short time that that I have with you and and I would suggest to you this possibility <clears throat> that the voice of shame is is the one that says what's the point because it it measures Shame measures things by performance and by uh, evaluation of that performance to determine worth. So therefore, if, if something doesn't turn out the way we wanted it to, then it's, it's worthless. It doesn't count for anything. It, it, I might as well reconsider not doing that again or not doing it at all. So things have to be functional and, and even... I've had people say, so what's the point of having emotions at all? Because after all, they're just painful and they make me vulnerable with people. And what's the point? Why, why engage in this stuff? You keep telling me, them, you being me, you keep telling me that this is good to express and to feel and, and experience and then, and then nothing comes of it. But something does come of it. See, we judge our emotions by what they accomplish for us rather than the a full expression of our own humanity. And so it's not, things have to be functional. The other thing is, is that the outcome of any interaction has to produce some desirable outcome or it won't have been worth it. And so we move into it do what we're told maybe or encouraged to do it doesn't produce anything and say well i'm not sure I'm not going to do that again it didn't produce what i was told and see we we engage things in 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 this measurement um way 
that says something is only worth it if it produces something, which usually blinds us from paying attention to what it does produce. Because we're always potentially, it doesn't mean we always will be, but, but we're always learning something, maybe about ourselves that we hadn't learned before, or even in our relationships with other people that we haven't seen or heard before. So the other thing that I would bring to your attention is that it, the, the voice of shame is about objectifying people and relationships and emotions and all these other things. And what I mean by that is that when it, when it objectifies something, it says it's an object to be managed, handled, and it, that object is only useful as long as it accomplishes some end or produces something. And see, that's where the shame comes in, because then if it doesn't produce, then it's not worth it. It's, it's useless. <laughs> useless. And how often do we put, point that gun at ourselves? So when I do something or I, I, I try to accomplish something or it doesn't quite go right or whatever it is, I am useless. I, I, I just can't ever get it right implication of course is that there is a right way now they're doing various things there's a right way to drive a car clearly there's a right way to do these things according to the rules of the road or the rules that we function by on the other hand when it comes to relationships i don't think it's quite that clear cut because in a lot of cases we can do things upside down and, and they are actually the better thing to do because the upside down is actually right side up because we've been living in an upside down world for so long. Now, let me give you an example. I know that sounds a little abstract. Many years ago, I, I, when I started at CCU, I was teaching the Intro to Psychology course. And we were talking about um, sensation and perception. In a quick psych course, sensation is all the things that come into our eyes and our senses. Perception is how we organize those things. And, and so in a variety of experiments were done. And, and one of the things that, that uh, someone wondered, whoever it was had a warped sense of humor, if you ask me. But, but the, the, the question was, is what happens or how quickly can the brain reorient and rewire itself if we fit you with a pair of glasses that turns the world upside down? And so they embarked on this. They wanted to see how quickly the brain would adapt. And so they, they picked somebody, a volunteer out. They put this headset on that had a set of mirrors that every time she looked through this, she saw upside down images. So when she walked, she was walking in the air and, and the sidewalk was above her. Or when she tried to pour tea, she would, she would have to reverse it in her mind's eye to do it. And and it took a good eight days or so for her to finally adapt to be able to write her name, to type on a computer. But one of the things she commented on was with the, the, living in that upside down world was that it was exhausting. It was so tiring because she, it took so much energy to adapt. Now pay attention to that because when we go into a world of dysfunctional relationships and things that tells us that good is bad and bad is good, not, not specifically, but implies that or certainly pushes at that, 
it takes us, it takes a lot of effort for us to adapt to it, but eventually we will. And so before too long, we don't even realize that we're living in an upside down world. Well, the end of the story is, is that um, the, the experimenter, the psychologist said, are you ready to take the glasses off? Yes, we'll take the glasses off. And when they took the headset off, she got vertigo. She got dizzy because now the world, the one that we all live in that we call right side up, was upside down. And, and there's numerous examples of this. I show another video of a guy that learns how to ride a bike, a backwards bike. In other words, you turn the handlebars to the right and the wheel goes to the left. And it takes him a long time to adapt to that. My point is this, is that we have grown accustomed to living in an upside down world where the only measure of the usefulness or value of something is if it produces something that includes me, that includes relationships, that includes emotions. What's the alternative? Well, I've been talking all along about that the antidote to shame is grace. And grace, if we embrace grace and move toward it in terms of living in the grace that we are offered, we begin to move into the right side up world. Except there's one hitch. We have gotten so adapted to the upside down world that the right side up world feels upside down. See how that works? So it is difficult and it is dizzying, to use my example earlier, to adapt to this new world, even though it is right side up, where people have good boundaries, where I am offered uh, grace when I make mistakes. My, I ha I'm offered the opportunity to learn and make mistakes, but it doesn't make me bad or that I can't learn or that I'm inadequate or I am stupid or an idiot or any other words that you want to apply to it. So maybe the, the voice of shame says, what's the point? And the voice of grace says, what's the connection? Or to whom can I connect to? Because time invested is time well uh, well used because I find out not only about someone else knowing another but I also am known by another which is the height of intimacy it's the definition of intimacy that's where grace invites us to go which means that there is an intrinsic value to connecting with another person it doesn't have to necessarily produce anything at all in those upside down world terms but it connects us and it gives us a glimmer and maybe even a spark of the imago Dei, the Latin word for the image of God in us that we see in one another. And we affirm it in being that way, in, in valuing those things. Because grace is about cultivating things. It's, it's about cultivating relationships. So time invested is time well, well used. The same way that grace is, is very much uh, connected to process. What I do to accomplish something is every bit as important as what I actually produce or accomplish. Because during that time, I ultimately become changed. It's not just simply about the outcome. It is about the process. And grace emphasizes process where shame emphasizes outcome. 
Why do I say that? Well, shame, think about it. Legalism is connected to shame, and legalism is about doing the right thing, putting things in the right boxes, living the, the living in such a way that it, there's a trade that if I do this right, then God will bless me. All of those things come out of shame, but it's it's all about controlling outcomes so that I look the right way, say the right thing, and get the right outcome. But grace invites us into this uncertain world that invites us into trusting one another to be known and knowing another and the opportunity to move into another person's world not with any agenda just for for the opportunity to to know the the richness of what the world looks like through their eyes that's it I've been blessed with the opportunity over the years to be a counselor that I get the opportunity. People come and they actually give me the opportunity to see the world through their eyes. And as difficult as that may be and as hard as that may be, then there's a lot of what I do as a counselor and a psychologist that really isn't all that profound other than helping them label and be clear about the worlds that they're living in. That brings us usually to a choice point. And that choice is, do I want to keep living this way or do I want to move another direction? Henry Nouwen, the very famous writer in spiritual formation, Catholic priest, uh, wrote a a little uh, journal book called The Inner Voice of Love. It actually is the journal that was uh, his during his bout and movement through depression and other things, and it was his writing to himself. And there's one in particular that always sticks out to me where he talks about uh, the old country versus the new and how easy it is for us to set up shop in the old country, but it's the place where all the rules are known, every all the people are known, but it's toxic and damaging to us. But we need to move to the new country. And even when we move to the new country, we're still beating a path back to the old one now and again. And a lot of times we'll, we'll set up camp in the middle so I can keep my options open, whether I want to go back to the old country or the new. It's a remarkable um, portrayal of, of the journey that we're on. And even when I think about old country and new, I'm always reminded of John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, because he's on this journey. And he's leaving the old country and going to the new as well, which is our life journey. The challenge is, is what kind of traveling companions do you have? And you have a, you have a right, you have a responsibility to choose who those companions are. Now, one last thing, and then I'll, I'll uh, land. The last thing is about that point of companions. I'm, I'm kind of a word nerd, and I, I love the in, in, origins and meanings of words and things like that. And of late, I've been reminded over and over again of all the words that have calm in the beginning of it, like compassion or community or, um, or companion. And Henry Nouwen had this same kind of interest. And, and so he made mention of the fact that a companion is somebody that we actually invite into our lives to share bread with, which is kind of odd. Uh, but the reason that word is, is come is with. And panis, where we get the companion from, is bread. 
And so when we invite somebody into our lives, our hearts to share bread, the food of life with us and us with them, that's where life is. That's where grace is found. And those pictures are pictures that Jesus wrote, that painted on a regular basis in terms of come and see where I live. <laughs> His, John's disciples came up to him and said, where do you live? Which is an odd question when you're trying to decide whether to follow somebody or not. And Jesus says, come and see. And he says, and, and the writer of Revelation, John, talks about Jesus standing at the door and knocking, waiting to be invited in to our hearts. And that's, that's, that's repeated over and over again, I think, in our lives, in our relationships. So some, from some food for thought, which fits the companion idea um, uh, for the evening, let me... Uh, end on a, on the t- typical reminders or reminders that I've been doing every time I've been doing this podcast, two or three different things. One is we are back to uh, the, the challenge of raising funds for the next silent retreat, which is in April. The, the first full week in April is the, the next one. It is coming up in 2021. Uh, we have another date uh, set for October 21 as well. If you're interested and want to know more about that, go to ccusilentretreats.org and you will find uh, out all about them there and also register if you're interested. That's one of the key points is that uh, our GoFundMe page is, um, is live and so you can make a donation. I, I realize that there's not much tax, tax benefit for anybody to, to give that kind of donation, but if you feel so moved and want to partner with us and be able to, to support a CCU student, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated um, and uh, we would be ever so thankful. The, the second and third thing kind of go together. Uh, please be sure to subscribe on the website at the website drmitch.com, upper right-hand corner. If you subscribe there, then you will know exactly when the next uh, podcast will drop. I think we're going to have a short week. I'm going to try to make sure that the next one hits Friday, which is, has been my goal all along. Or you can uh, subscribe through Podbean at raymitch.podbean.com. Uh, get the player that comes from Podbean on your uh, iOS or Android, and you can listen to the podcast uh, as you're traveling or walking or running or whatever you might be doing, at least here around here in Colorado right now. Um, we are experiencing a pretty nasty uh, fall, late fall uh, snowstorm, so we might actually add walking um or running or sliding into the, the, the formula there. So those, that's it for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been my pleasure and delight to s- share a few moments with you. I pray you have a great week ahead, and I look forward to talking again soon on Friday. As always, love you. Later. Bye.